0: here. Uh, great to see some familiar faces, actually. I've been in town for, <coughs> like I said, 19 years, so there's a few people that I've uh, met over the years, so good to see some friendly faces. I want to talk about uh, waiting well. Just a um, show of hands, how many of you feel like you do that well, like you're patient and you feel like you wait well? Not a, not a single person put their hand up. Good, good. This message is for you then, okay? Um, this message is for me, okay? I, I am... am it's funny, I, I would generally say that I'm mostly patient, uh, but there's moments when it's bad. And the worst moment for me is when I'm behind the wheel of a car, okay? Uh, so I just want to take this moment, and if you have ever seen my car uh, zooming past you, maybe throwing up some hands like this, like, why aren't you going faster? Why aren't you moving out of the way? I apologize, okay? I, something happens when I get behind the wheel of a car, that I become somebody that I don't want to be. And my wife uh, makes sure that she knows that it's a person that I don't want to be, and she makes sure that, uh, that I hear about it. I, I'm just terrible. Everything gets in the way for me. Uh, stop lights and stop signs are like, you know, from the pit of hell for me. It's like, it's <laughs> like God just puts these things in my way, and so I apologize. I, I think probably most of us would say we don't uh, wait well. This is, uh, this is a statistic I just came across. Uh, that that the average American will spend three years of your life waiting. Three years of your life waiting at stop signs, stop lights, (laughs) waiting in the line at a grocery store, waiting for the bathroom at a sporting event, right? waiting uh, for the pizza to arrive at my house, waiting on the phone with customer service waiting for the technician who said that they would be there from 8 to 11, but it's now 2 o'clock and I'm still waiting, right? Uh, another time that's bad for me is opening Christmas on presents, morning, uh, uh, presents on Christmas morning. I, I struggle uh, because I get up early and I'm excited about Christmas and uh, man, when other people are sleeping in on Christmas morning, I'm like sitting there like on my you know, second pot of coffee and I'm like, come on people, get up, like let's open up the gifts, right? Uh, if you live to be 70 years old, three years of your lifetime would be 4.2% of your life that you spend as an American waiting. So we all find ourselves in seasons of waiting. Right now, uh, I'm waiting like you guys are. You guys are waiting for a leader uh, to come in and, and to help lead your church. I'm, I'm waiting for a, a children's student person. 50 months now, and, uh, and, and those moments can be bad, right? They can, I mean, it can be kind of kind of rough to, to go through these seasons, and so I thought uh, today's message might be timely, just with uh, you guys being in a in a season of waiting. I was thinking through the Bible of the people who waited, and just a, a small snippet of people who waited in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah uh, were told they were going to have a son. It took quite a few years that they had to wait for that son to come. Joseph waited for a promotion while he was under Potiphar. Then he was put in prison, had to wait. Uh, imprisoned for a few couple of years before he was uh, finally released. Moses waited to lead the people out of slavery. Uh, Joshua waited to enter the promised land. Jonah waited in the belly of a fish. Uh, Job waited for the suffering to end. David waited under King Saul for quite a few years, uh, b- being tortured by and almost killed by Saul uh, to become the king. The Jews waited for hundreds of years for a Messiah to come. Paul waited in shackles and on shipwreck. Uh, boats and islands uh, to, to share the gospel. And even Jesus waited. If you think about how many times in Scripture that Jesus, it says he, it wasn't yet his time. It was, he had to wait. And so even Jesus set the example for us of waiting. So my question for you today is, do you know how to wait well? Do you know how to wait well? And sometimes we don't think about this in Scripture, but I think that there's plenty of it uh, in Scripture to, to speak to. We're going to look at Jeremiah. Uh, 29 this morning. I want to jump back in time to 597 BC. This is what is known uh, as the Babylonian captivity. Uh, some of the Jews have been taken into captivity into Babylon. They're taken uh, to the city of Babylon, and God gives them through the prophet Jeremiah uh, a word in, in chapter 29, and it's not really what you would think it would be. This is a, this is a punishment because they have not obeyed God's laws, commands, decrees that he's given them. And he's told them multiple times in Deuteronomy that if you don't do this, there's going to be consequences for it. And we're now in this moment of consequence. They've not obeyed God's commands, laws. Now they are going to face the consequence. And so in, Je- in, in Jeremiah 29, this is going to be up here on the screen, uh, this is Jeremiah's word to the people from God about how to wait. Okay, you're going to be in captivity. This is how we wait. Verses, starting verse 4 through 7 and then 10 through 11. This is what the Lord Almighty, God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, will prosper then we jump to verse 10 this is what the lord says when 70 years are completed for babylon i will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future i I want you to know something before we even get into the idea of, of how do we wait well uh who's behind the captivity in verse four god right it says on there that, that uh, in verse uh, 4, it says, to all those I have carried into exile. This isn't the Babylonians' fault. This is God using the Babylonians uh, to, to take care of his people. And so sometimes, before we even talk about how do I wait well, sometimes I Of waiting I just went through a list of people of in scripture that had to wait it's going to happen we are going to have to wait and instead of just trying to get out of here okay just to go through it we need to learn how do we grow through it how do we grow through this period of waiting that we are going through so God tells them hey I've led you to this place you are now in exile I'm the one that's responsible for this and you're going to be there for 70 years okay 70 years the average American, you know, lifetime 70 to 72 years right that's that's an entire lifetime that these people are going to be in captivity and the command to them is very interesting right i just read it build homes settle down plant gardens marry have kids seek the peace of the place prosperity pray for them if it's me i'm like really plant a garden like out of all the things you're going to tell me we're going into captivity you want me to plant a garden okay whatever god you know the whole. I, I think in my mind, I'd just be going through this this whole captivity thing. The last time that we were in Egypt, do you remember that God? Like it didn't go that well, right? Like we were in slavery, and uh, and, it, and it was bad. And so uh, here's God, to make this a, a vacation and have the mind. Okay, so I want to talk. About making roots and making this place their home. Instead of longing to get out of here, wanting to go to some other place, wanting to go back home, God is almost telling them, hey, embrace this place and make things in this moment. I I know that you guys are almost through and I'm like, there's nothing out here, like it's almost desert, right, and so I'm, I'm through and I thought, I said it, I said it myself to my wife, we, we will never live in this town, so fast forward about 10 years, and a friend of mine who's on staff at Paramount Terrace Christian Church calls me and says, hey, do you want a job, and I'm like, yeah, I'm so I'm like, hey, like uh, 10 years ago, I said I'm Settled in, we raised our kids here. Uh, we didn't plant a garden, but we have got decent shrubs and trees in our yard, so it's all right, okay. Uh, but you know how, how that is in, in Amarillo. Um, we we changed our zip, we changed our area code, right? I changed from the eight one four in Pennsylvania that I was in to the eight zero six here. Uh, we took Amarillo in and we made it our home. We we, we dug in deep and we dug roots here. I think what God is telling. God has in store for us next. So the first thing is that our time of waiting is a time to plant. The second thing is he tells us to prosper. God doesn't just want them to plant themselves in Babylon. He wants them to thrive, right? He tells them to, to have kids, to increase in number, to have grandkids, right? Uh, plant these gardens and eat from them. Uh, he wants them to really just go at it and to, and to thrive in this season of waiting. I, I think that probably most of us would say in our seasons of waiting, we don't cry, right? I know my best moments, like I told you, behind the wheel of a car, those are not my best moments, right? Most of us in seasons <laughs> of waiting, uh, we, we don't have our, our most, we're not our most patient, right? We're not our, our, our most uh, full of the spirit in those moments, right? Uh, we're full of a bunch of other stuff at that point. And so what, what God, I think, is telling us in this moment is that we, we need And then we tend to let off the gas pedal a little bit whenever seasons of waiting are happening, and we're just we're going to sit back and we're just going to wait until the next leader comes, right? And I think um, God is telling us, no, you don't need to do that. You need to thrive. You need to you need to prosper. When Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken uh, into captivity uh, for bowing to an idol, they they didn't just sit back and do nothing. They still followed after God. They still uh, stuck to the regimen that they were given as far as their diet goes, right? They still sought after the Lord even while in prison. Paul, he didn't sit back in prison and do nothing. He didn't just wait for, for God to take care of things. He, uh, he, he, t- he went to work. I mean, he used prison as a time to spread the gospel, and he probably had as much ministry uh, opportunities in prison as he did outside of prison. I think God is saying, hey, Journey Church, don't, don't wither away. Don't sit back. Don't do nothing in this period of waiting. Instead, prosper. Prosper. Thrive! Don't be afraid to forge ahead. Don't be afraid to make some hard decisions. Don't be afraid to further the gospel. That's what you're here for. Um, Don't just because you're in a season of waiting for the next leader doesn't mean that you can't lead during this time. He wants us to blossom. He wants us to increase. And I think our seasons of uh, our times of waiting are times for us to prosper. What is our purpose? Think about that. Why are we here? Why do we exist? this time of waiting and you can prosper in it. The third thing I think that God tells us is this. He tells us that we need to pray. He tells us people that they need to pray for their enemies. Pray to the Lord for the city of Babylon or for it. Um, this one has to be hard, right? To, to pray for your enemies. I don't know if you've ever done this before, to pray for your enemies. Uh, we We were challenged with this a few years ago, my wife and I, and it was actually a, a an enemy, it was a family member that we were just having a lot of struggles with and it was bringing a lot of tension in our marriage and in our family, and uh, we were challenged with this, we started praying for them, and it was amazing how, I don't think, I, it initially I thought that they changed, but I think that God just kind of changed us and our attitude towards them, and maybe they changed a little bit too, but there was something that happened in that moment, and, I, and that's what God is telling his people to do here, is, is they need to pray for their... Um, I think for most of us when we hear that, <laughs> we would be like, okay, God, I'll pray for him. Um, God, wipe this city off the face of the earth, right, and get rid of these people. Like, that's going to be my prayer, right? That's going to be my attitude towards it. Obviously, from the context here, that's not what he wants, right? He wants them to pray for their peace, their prosperity, and their success. It's, it, 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 it echoes what Jesus says 600 years later, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, pray for your enemies, love your enemies, and pray for them. Um, telling us to do uh, what he's called us to do throughout time. Um, I'm, I'm going to share something with you. I might get some booze uh, in this moment, but that's okay. Um, I grew up in Oklahoma, and I'm a, a big Oklahoma Sooners fan, okay? Yeah. Where's Where's my Where's my boomers? Yeah, there we go. I knew there's some in here, okay? Uh, let me tell you something, an experience I had. Uh, moved here in 05, and uh, some friends of ours, to love it for the OU Texas game that year, and uh, all of my friends in the church, that were all tech fans, they all heard about it, and I'm not kidding, you, I mean, I probably got 20 or 30 messages, texts, phone calls that week of like, hey, don't wear your OU stuff, hey, and I just want to apologize up front, like, and I'm like, what, the, what are you talking about? They're like, it's going to be bad. I'm just telling you, it's going to be bad. Our fans are the worst. And they, this was all tech fans. Okay, I'm not making fun of tech fans. This was tech fans calling me to apologize already. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And I've gone to multiple multiple college games before. No big deal. I wear my OU stuff. I get down there. The absolute worst experience almost of my life. Okay. <laughs> I got hot dogs thrown at me. No kidding. Two of them. Uh, I got a beer thrown at me. I got... That and called names that I've never heard before uh, from people behind me. Uh, I had a guy three different times who tried to follow me out whenever I left my seat to try to start a fight with me. So like I had to have somebody go with me so that to keep this guy away from me, right? It was, guys, it was horrible. It was terrible. And uh, and we lost the game on top of it. So that made it like a terrible hour and a half up ride home. And I'm like, man, this is awful, right? So so here's the thing, as an as a Oklahoma fan. I could have the worst attitude. Guys, it, it was it was just the worst um, I could have the worst attitude towards the Tech fans. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying this in a world how mighty he is and how great of a guy he is. I'm not saying it that way. I'm just telling you. This is, this is the honest truth. I, I actually like Tech. tech. I, love, I love Tech. I actually cheer for them whenever we're not playing them. Uh, I root for them. Okay, I do. I root for them. I was so excited whenever they made it to the – to the championship game in basketball a couple of years ago, was rooting for them. Uh, here's the thing: it's good for the Big Twelve when they do well. It's good for Lubbock. It's good for Amarillo. It's good for the Texas Panhandle. Whenever Lubbock and Texas Tech are doing well, now I'm not trying to make a big illustration here of trying to connect rooting for Tech fans, okay, and Tech versus the spiritual here. but there there is some parallels there, right? Of 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 our enemies, the the, the the team that doesn't treat us well, of like. Here, here's the thing: like getting serious to what this passage is telling his people to do, and what Jesus was uh. doing. The I mean, th- there's something, there's something unique in this passage. God has wrapped a portion of His people up with an unlikely partnership with the enemy, right? The the, the, Babylonians. the there, there is going to be a moment here where the people For them, their hearts are going to be bent more towards those, seeing those those people as not the enemy, but as people, okay, as as individuals. Um, like I said earlier, our hearts begin to change and the and the uh, become softened towards people whenever we take time to lift them up, time to pray for them. And I think God knew uh, my people are not going to learn their lesson in seventy years if they don't pray for these. Are not going to be bent towards them. They're, they're not. They're going. to Their hearts going to be hardened. How many times in the Old Testament do we see that the, the, the people's hearts were hardened? God is trying to soften their hearts by having them pray for the enemy here, so that they could grow, that they could become the people that they needed to be. And I think that that is what God is telling us to do in these moments of, of waiting. Is that we need to take this. Time This time. Trust Him more. Develop a stronger prayer life. Uh, relish uh, our relationship with Him and desire to be close to Him. Our, our time of waiting is a time for us to pray, drawing closer to the Lord than ever before. Plant, prosper, and pray is what God is telling His people to do here. Verses 10 through 11 then wrap this part up. They remind the people that God is going to save them. Uh, in 70 years, it's going to be a while but he's going to save them. He's going to take them home. And what does he have in store for them? Verse 11 says he plans to prosper you, right? Not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, plans to have, you know, for you to have a future. And I think the bottom line that we need to hear today from this passage, what God is saying is this. When we are in a season of waiting, we must trust that God is working, right? When we're in a season of waiting, we must Believe that he's doing the same for you. He's right now, he is at work in some of you. He's growing some of you. He's stretching some of you in your leadership. Uh, He's leading some of you to trust him more. He's causing some of you to step out of your comfort zones and do things you haven't had to do before. All of it is. My daughter, uh, Michaela, has had some struggles. Um, she's, she's our oldest, and um, when she graduated from high school, she was making some life decisions that were not uh, healthy for her, not good for her. And uh, they resulted in um, about five, almost six years ago, uh, of us getting a phone call, my wife and I, at 2.30 in the morning. And uh, a police officer had, uh, had her uh, pulled over, and uh, he was going to arrest her. They, they called us to let us know that we could come pick up our car instead of impounding it. So my wife and I go get the car. We come back home. It's 2.30, 2.45 in the morning. We're trying to go back to sleep, which you can imagine does not go very well. And so uh, I get up. I'm praying. I'm reading God's Word. I'm trying to figure out what's next, you know. Um, and so uh, I spent that morning on the phone with multiple people, uh, some in leadership in our church, some to figure out what happens next and what this process looks like. Um, A bail bondsman that I knew, a friend of mine that uh, had to figure out that because I've never had to pay for bail before uh, for anything. And so, um, meanwhile, our daughter. waiting we were trying to do things to get ready but we were also letting her pay for it too a little bit right and in the same way God is doing that same thing he is working he is preparing the next leader for you guys he's preparing some of you to be ready for that next leader and what we need to do to be able to wait well is to do what God is. invite anybody who's never accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior um, to do that we're going to close in prayer here and uh, i want to close with a with a prayer for anybody that uh, if you've not accepted jesus um, i want you to know that uh, waiting while god is working um, it's a hard thing to do but if you haven't accepted jesus it's a really difficult thing to do i can only imagine um, trying to wait in, in hard times and things that you're going through season hard seasons uh, without having God we love you and we thank you and God if there's anybody here today who does not know you God anybody who has never accepted you as their Lord and Savior God I pray right now that they would just pray this prayer God we can't I can't make it in this life without you I can't do this without you Father we I need you and So Father I pray that God, we, we love you, grateful for Journey